Okay, so I'm here today with Brandon Searle of the University of New Brunswick Offsite Construction Research Center. Uh, he's going to tell us a little, we're actually going to touch on a number of topics, uh, including uh, private-public uh, partnerships, private and academic partnerships, funding research, uh, some of the exciting things that uh, Brandon has uh, brought to uh, the knowledge base of the market uh, through the university. And right from the start, uh, we're going to tackle something uh, that for me is important, that distinction between off-site industrialized construction. So, Brandon, uh, maybe a high-level feel on um, what the uh, research center does and then exactly how you see off-site construction, off-site and industrialized construction and those two uh, facets of the industry uh, spinning off of each other. Yeah, yeah. So for me, um, I kind of view off-site construction and industrialized construction very similar. I would uh, argue that modular prefab might be different. So if you go to certain countries, they're going to refer to everything as modular. Um, if you go to, you often see New Zealand and in Australia, they have, because they have prefab New Zealand, prefab Australia, you see that terminology. Um, in the UK, what are we seeing now? It was modern methods of construction. Now they're calling it AMC, advanced methods of construction. Right. Um, that always gets me too. And, yeah. And then, and then, and then like locally, we have, you know, modular or manufactured buildings, whatever it might be. And I kind of want to, I think, and I didn't make the decision on the name, but I think. The reason why our name is the Offsite Construction Research Center is trying to encapsulate all of anything that is moving in activity that is traditionally on-site to off-site or improving uh, in, in efficiencies of activities on-site to be more uh, process-driven rather than, you know, just ad hoc uh, based on the knowledge base of whoever the, the trade person is on-site that day. Um mm. So, so to me, I think they're interchangeable, but it is all about process improvement, and we can learn from the aerospace industry, the automotive industry, but not not necessarily do the exact same thing because, like I've used this argument before, like uh, a lot of people will lease a car and you'll then get a new car four or five years later, and I don't envision a time where we're leasing buildings like uh, a home. Uh, and getting it, and then building a new one, and then junking our old home, and then leasing the new building, and 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 there's this whole idea around circular economy and and environmentally friendly and sustainability, and we have to keep all of that in mind while we're transforming our industry to be product driven. I guess absolutely, absolutely, and you see productizing, uh, but for one, the life cycle is never going to afford us a. Uh, you know, accelerated five-year sort of reset. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's uh, there's that that's good that we're so at a, at a very high level. Uh, I like to think of processes um, and how to how to make things. Ultimately, the delivery method. Uh, there's a level of different uh, stages where you can improve on uh, a, a given process. So it sounds like it's very holistic. Uh, you mentioned on the cross sections live earlier. Uh, the difference between macro level and micro level research initiatives. Uh, maybe you can give us a quick uh, summation yeah. of that for those that didn't tune into that. Yeah, for sure. Like, so I guess when I was talking about that, uh, I was 
talking about how we view things as a center, uh, as a research center, and like there's going to be people who watch this who have collaborated with um, academic institutions, or there's going to be academic institutions who collaborate with industry, and they might view things differently. But what we we when I talk macro level, I'm talking about like industry focused research that we hope to do a scan of the industries to, uh, um, and improve the whole industry. When you're talking about micro, it is very specific to uh, an organization's need. And while that organization's need is likely applicable to all its, uh, its competitors, um, it's focused on their specific problem or, or opportunity that they have. So that's mm-hmm. like how I view micro versus macro level. Mm-hmm. I guess separate from that, um, like I touched on like how you partner with research centers, I guess, and a lot of some people will view us as a consultant with very low fees, um, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't the case. Like we have a fee for service stream, but it's not an ideal stream. Like there's what I view is a research project which will support a graduate student. So let's say maximum two years. You have a research program which is led by one of our staff or faculty members. Um, and will be multi-year, it could be several projects embedded in the program. We have a fee-for-service, which might be a quick, you know, testing project uh, or product testing to a certain ASTM standards or whatever, mm-hmm. but will hopefully lead to a research project to advance and innovate further. Um, so that's, that's I guess, there's first macro and micro, which, like, macro would be something we would partner with the Modular Building Institute on. Mm-hmm. They had like you know I mean ModX is doing a great job of that and Ryan and Ivan are so so that's their space but for, for example they're looking at an industry as a whole right and so that's what I view as macro and then micro is like all right RS Taveras has a specific need or a specific BIM workflow they're trying to implement and they need uh, uh, R and D on it. Mm-hmm. That is that is the micro level type of research. Yeah, interesting. And and for us, I mean, we see uh, prototyping or um, designing certain systems that a client is looking for very specifically to deploy or send to a government for approval or different layouts of certain products. Um, and we have layers too. So there's the direct advisory. There's um, the work that the third party approval agencies do. Um, and ultimately, I think of it as uh, a, a very uh, well-organized and uh, group that is looking for a holistic solution, probably layers the, the, the things. Like it's probably a preliminary feasibility at the academic institution. Then it comes back to our proposal to do the design of systems, then go back to the university again um, and, and look for research funding and optim- other optimal opportunities. So. Um, yeah. I always see, you know, there's a, a level of, uh, if there had been, it's almost like the partnering with academic institutions is seen as a big player, um, uh, sort of game, but I, I think that it's relatively accessible if people understood how that collaboration would look and then they yeah. would, you know, not to take business away from us, but understand that they can more economically or more effectively pursue those goals, which is what I want to see ultimately. Um, yeah, because they're totally maybe I different. can touch on yeah. that really quick, just in terms yeah. of the yeah. the and and I'm not as familiar with how it works in the U.S. I mean, you mm. can again, I, I name drop Ryan and Ivan because they're 
they're rock stars. And <laughs> anyone listening to this should also be listening to whatever they're saying. Um, but the so in Canada, we have programs through the National Research Council, and they have an mm. industrial research assistance program. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, and so IRAP is what people will refer to it as. They have funding for small and medium-sized enterprises. So under 500 employees is how they qualify small and medium-sized enterprises. Mm. Separate from that, there's MITAC, which is another federal government. So M-I-T-A-C-S is how it's spelled. And they have internship funding. They also have uh, global internship funding. So before the – actually, uh, about a month before the pandemic, we had a student – uh, get approved for a global internship where he was going to go to Michigan, um, do some research at one of the academic institutions in Michigan, bring some of that knowledge back to New Brunswick, and knowledge exchange through internships and through these students, and, and that's what will advance uh, research uh, throughout cool. the industry, I guess. So there's those programs. In addition to that, at the uh, at the provincial level in New Brunswick, we have the New Brunswick Innovation Foundation. They act as both a VC. They have a VC kind of no. business line, and they no. have a R and D business line. So they they've been very supportive of us, uh, both to hire staff to do research, to commercialize research um, for for industry partners. They have the innovation voucher. It's called where they'll cover eighty percent of the cost and that the what that is is commercializing an idea essentially um uh again, so again so yeah the me- just to, to classify everything you mentioned because i'm taking notes myself uh, yeah. domestic or or international for for that second 80 percent that's a is that a canadian specific that would initiative? be actually provincial specific, provincial uh, specific. so but, the business but, is based but, there yeah but okay. across like Nova Scotia, province of Nova Scotia has a different entity to what a BIF would be. Ontario would have their entity. Quebec would have an entity. I'm not as familiar with them because we wouldn't be eligible with for their uh, funding. But MBIF is is one. Like they have laptop market funding, they have equipment funding, stuff like that. So it's it's important for me, I guess, to make sure that I acknowledge them because of how supportive they've been of our center too. And you'll see in our transforming construction twenty twenty one, you you'll always see MBIF as as one of our sponsors. Um, mm. And and then I it, it'd be bad of me not to mention Osco Construction Group, which is obviously our founding partner at the research center, and and they we have. Uh, it's it, these research projects converting to research programs, and they're focused on steel fabrication. They're focused on main construction. They're focused on precast concrete, uh, different testing, different materials. The use of augmented and, and virtual reality in production, mm. uh, data tracking through RFID, like just a mix of things that, that we have ongoing with that. And they're a diver- I imagine they're a diversified, at least a national footprint construction company, yes, right? Yes, yeah. So, so, yeah, Osco, they would be uh, Atlanta Canadian-based, uh, you know, uh, customers in, in the Northeast uh, U.S., and uh, right. they actually acquired Precon, which is in the greater Toronto area, Precast mm-hmm. Company, mm-hmm. Concrete, um, yeah. Cre- Precast Concrete Company, sorry, and... Uh, yeah, so, so yeah, they, they would be kind of national-based. They're one of our main uh, partners. And, I mean, I, I, I name-dropped them because, obviously, they're very supportive of the center and everything. But um, beyond that, there's 
through the NSERC, I did, which <laughs> I didn't even mention. So NSERC is it's an acronym for another, and I can't even remember the acronym. Not, it's a part of the NRC, essentially, uh-huh. um, National Research Council, and they have funding programs called the Lines Grants. So they'll fund 66% of a project for companies under 500 employees, and they'll, find, they'll match funding for companies over 500 employees. So we've been very fortunate in the center to receive two alliance grants, and those um, those are cumbersome proposals, a lot of effort, and my colleague, Dr. Zenle, led those uh, application proposals with industry partners, uh, one, of with this, one of which is a scaffolding solutions company, and another one is actually a startup company out of Ontario. So... Awesome. Pretty, awesome. Pretty cool stuff. Well, no, these are yeah. good. These are good examples, and of both uh, successful uh, people that, or groups that have successfully partnered with the academic, um, or the university, and mm-hmm. the programs that you guys are running. So, I think it's super helpful for those that are uh, members of mid-sized, large, national, multinational uh, firms that might uh, tune in. But these are these are some of the strategic partnerships and picking the right people to pursue those those opportunities yeah. you know and, under 500 and, and, people is is a small firm but still a sizable firm <laughs> yeah yeah and but like we want to because some of these large uh players in our industry have they have r&d offices or business units and those ones are often partnered with academic institutions mm-hmm. uh, but just because you're a small firm and you don't currently have that r&d uh arm it doesn't mean that you can't partner with a research entity through grant funding. The key is having the support at the executive level and then, you know, having buy-in from everyone underneath uh, who will support the project on, on a regular basis because it's just like in any project you do, if you don't have buy-in from the stakeholder involved, then it's not going to be successful. Right. Um, and we've been fortunate to find some really good partners who are bought into the research we're doing. They understand that not everything we're going to do is going to be, you know, the next Elon Musk idea. But but what we're doing will ultimately have incremental improvements to to the way the industry is uh, doing. That that's at the core at the core of the competitive advantage, uh, in my opinion. So um, that's the key. Uh, what about saying that we get the interest from the university? Right. I mean, there has to be when I think of uh, what a company brings to the table um, is something to study. Right. An underlying data set or processes that can be improved um, and an interest in improving them. Uh, what would you say is the, the thing that attracts a, a public or a university to a given project or a given collaborator? Yeah. So, yeah, everything you just said is very important because, <laughs> I mean, as our research center was starting, we would, the first company that would say they'd want to partner with us, we would say yes. But as you grow, you have to be more selective and strategic. And um, an ideal partner is, you know, they're, they're bought into the project, they're willing to improve, they're mm-hmm. open to new ideas. Mm-hmm. They understand that it's a long-term investment um so and i'm not talking massive dollars either like those alliance grant dollars that's that's ten thousand five hundred from the industry partner matched with 20 ish thousand from insert type of thing like it's not yeah it's not crazy dollars um but just having an understanding that you know you're not gonna 
uh, have the Cadillac solution at the end of the day is important and, and being willing to share data. Uh, so in our, in our previous session there, our live session, I had mentioned the importance of our non-disclosure and confidentiality agreements and IP agreements and all that. We first thing we would do is so if you said, Brandon, I want to talk to you about a specific process we do or a specific design or whatever it is, um, that is proprietary to your organization. First thing I do is say, here's an NDA, a template NDA, modify it appropriately, uh, that I would do. You'd review, get signed off at, at whatever level you have to, and then we'd have that conversation. Then we would, uh, as a uh, project progresses, we would identify the proper confidentiality agreements and the proper IP agreements. So obviously the industry partner is going to bring some IP and knowledge to the project. We're going to bring some background IP to the project. New IP will be created in the during the project, and then we call that foreground IP. Um, and who owns that and how it gets used, etc., is important for us. Uh, we have students and staff working on this that get measured on publications right. in terms of their career success. So they want to be able to publish things for the industry partner. They want to be able to commercialize and you know Implement, make yeah. money, be profitable. So so we go through that process on a uh, case by case basis. But there's never to date there hasn't been uh, a time where we got hung up on IP and it's completely canceled the project. Like we yeah there's yeah because there's, there's, because there's, a, there's ultimately a mutual benefit. Um, and I think that again, the, the, they're not co competing interests. So I always think of the, the industry and, and, uh, research collaborations with universities to be, uh, a match made in heaven. You know, you think about, um, the potential to reduce costs of, of studying a given system or material solution, basically where engineering serve contract engineering services stop, you know, there's a whole other, um, uh, access to a whole other knowledge base that can be leveraged. Instead, you know, we have the same idea where we have people that want to come in or groups that want to come in, um, system, systematize a given solution, a given build type, and they need counsel through that process. So that starts with us, but at, at some point, uh, it, it, can, it, it would be nice to have a, um, a collaborative relationship with uh, a, a university that can bring them to a certain place to make our work more effective. So I haven't yeah. seen that yet. Uh, we, you know, we do prototypes. We'll put 200 hours into something. It can be rather costly, and sure, it does pay dividends. They do economically scale their 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 projects and objectives and everything they're trying to do. But they also could have done that in a in a more uh, possibly capital efficient way, uh, and gave us more to work with. Like we we we're basically an R and D firm. We just get paid for it, which is why it's so exciting to be in an engineering firm. Um, but I felt like a lot of that could be memorialized or better, uh, optimized through partnerships with academia. So maybe I can send yeah. you some people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, really that, uh, I, uh, I know we're running low on time, but I was just going to say like one thing I found because I came from an engineering firm is hmm. yeah. At the end of the day, yes, uh, you are doing R and D and you are trying to find the best solution, but, um, uh, there's constraints based on what your customer wants, what the budget tells you, and what the mm -hmm. schedule tells you. And I'm not saying we completely forget about budget and schedule, but um, 
there's more flexibility with academic institutions and it's, it's not yeah. a competitive thing. It's, it's, there's things that might take, we might go down a rabbit hole and, and find this new idea that isn't, the market's not ready for it, but it's coming and just say, okay, so that might be five years out that uh, let's say at the university, digital twinning the whole university campus, right? Mm-hmm. So that might be five years out, but right now we're all paper-based and we're not even asking for a 3D model in our procurement process. So how do we go to a digital twin in five to 10 years? Uh, or what steps do we need to take to get to that digital twin? And what we can do as an academic institution is research what's happening or what could be happening long-term and what are the, and then have incremental uh, steps to get to that ultimate goal of, of the digital twin. And I, and I mentioned a steel fabrication, like they might say double productivity in five years. Well, that's a visionary mission statement, right? But mm. there's incremental steps along the way and, and that's the ultimate goal. So, uh, and I guess what academia can do is go down different paths that sometimes uh, industry doesn't have the opportunity to do because the market just won't allow it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I would <laughs> the say schedule, the, 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 the budget, budget, you're, you're producing <laughs> new stuff, like you're building new stuff. So, so it, it, there's a, yeah, there's a opportunity for 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 collaboration. I guess is is the main. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, great. So. Let's see if we have anything else that you want to close out on. Maybe again, we'll. This was going to live in perpetuity on the market scale website, so it might be less time sensitive. But talk about not necessarily transforming construction in 2021, which starts on May 5th, but talk about um, uh, transforming construction in general. Maybe what what the plan is for that programming um, and the nature of yeah. it over the next decade. You know, I don't know how long you intend yeah. to run it. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, we started transforming construction webinar series um, in 2020, in spring, best summer 2020. We're doing it in 2021. It's a 16 webinars or panel discussions, which are 90 minutes each. We're going from May 5th to August 18th. Uh, We do them on Zoom. They're going to be housed on our website, recorded and available for, you know, uh, people who who, uh, bought a ticket, so to speak. and our idea is to continue that, um, hopefully have an in-person event um, once this whole pandemic thing's done. And then um, um, in, in parallel to that, we, as an academic institution, want to create an off-site construction diploma or something like that. So so at U- the University of Brunswick, there's a technology management and entrepreneurship diploma, which a lot of engineering students will take in addition to their engineering degree because it gives them a bit of that business uh, experience or, or education. Mm-hmm. So we could create a diploma that would be offered to both industry and students focused on offsite construction. And we started with a mini course for uh, one of the funding agencies and uh, we're, we're going to keep create more and more content that will be available online um, and, and eventually have uh, a multiple course diploma that that will be available for the industry to, to do and at their own pace type of thing. And, and yeah. the other thing is we obviously, we have a certain level of expertise, but we have a lot of partners of academic institutions internationally mm. that we want to partner with to bring their expertise and their courses in 
to uh, uh, diploma, Ralph Lake Construction Diploma. So that's the that's the ultimate goal about you know knowledge transfer and advancing things um, in a collaborative way, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I call this cross-section thing a knowledge platform because when I really thought about it, I wasn't sure it was a show because I don't really have that that uh, showbiz feel. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I think that keeping that front and center, that the university's goal uh, with the Offsite Research Center is is to um, you know, promote the industry's progress, uh, develop new and novel research, um, and, and ultimately help institutions or, or private groups that collaborate with them to uh, commercialize more effectively. So all in all, um, I like that it's uh, the reason you're here is because it's a uh, offsite construction, industrialized construction specific, and it's exciting. Um, so I hope that um, those watching get a benefit from it. Um, if there's anything else you want to mention, I think we're at roughly 20 minutes um, or 40. I wouldn't have any idea because I haven't looked. Um, tell me if you if you want to sort of close out with some some sort of summary points. Otherwise, uh, this is this concludes it. No, no, this has been good. It's been fun. Thanks for waking up early and uh, and having the chat. And I, I'm interested to go back and listen to everything we talked about. And I hope, uh, yeah, I hope it's, I hope the experience is good for you and that their cross sections then continues to grow because. It's important to get the, the message out there to the to the public about different things happening in our industry. So. Yeah, and it's it is conversations. At some point, I'll add some structure to it. But I, I like just doing what we do privately. Uh, it just felt like there was a lot of um, a lot of content there that could get shared. Just in general, I felt privileged to be close to people uh, like yourself and be able to just on a casual basis talk about really deep. Um, uh, innovative things and um you know that's ultimately the goal of doing it so the production's terrible the lighting's terrible everything is but look it's it's information uh information's valuable if those that uh, seek and discover it so uh i hope that in that sense it's valuable <laughs> i don't see us going prime time anytime soon uh you know but it's it's all it's all worth it and i really appreciate your time brandon thank you perfect thank you anthony all right we'll have a good soon. one